Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 1st of May and the title of this episode is The Terror of Error. I I messed up. Fresh on the back of that error, I then had to navigate the terror of writing about a legal fight. Let me first tell you about the mistake I made. Roll20 announced a price increase and I got the important part wrong. I got the prices wrong, saying that they had nearly doubled when, in fact, they had edged up by about a dollar. As with my many mistakes, I don't know how it happened. I do know how I noticed. I was in the middle of a field when emails, tweets and abusive messages start to arrive. Is this where the expression field repairs comes from? I suspect something like that. I used the WordPress app to patch things up as best I could, turned around and headed home for a more extensive edit. As a result, you can see the correction on the bottom of the page, it's dated and there's a public entry in the corrections and update page. You can find a link to that at the bottom of every page on the site. It's taken a while, years of battered experience to build up that corrections policy. I don't like to make mistakes but I'm happy with the robustness of the corrections process. I've looked again at that Roll20 announcement, as you can imagine, several times now. How did I get it wrong? Was it always that clear in the announcement? Did they tweak the post? I can't decide, but that's an excellent example of why owning your errors generally helps to avoid any future uncertainty. I did tweak my article, and so I've said so. So, thank you to the people who reached out in a civil way to point out that error, but only those people. The legal case that I mentioned is about Gen Con and Zach S. Here's the background. Some horrible allegations were made about Zach S, which the games industry took seriously. He had credit stripped from books, deals vanished, and he was banned from events like Gen Con. Gen Con was open about that and took the chance to refresh their policies and stance against abusers and lowlifes. Then, just when all this might have faded into history for the wider gaming public, Zach S launched a legal case against Gen Con and its owner, Peter Atkinson. In essence, he wasn't unhappy at the loss of money created by the band and by the public announcement. Now, there's a screen grab that seems to show court minutes in which a judge agrees with Gen Con that the whole thing should be dismissed. I have to be careful because I can't find the original document. I think it's locked behind the American legal system, paywalls, IP address box and the like. I'm in Scotland. It does have the names and other details right. So yeah, I wanted to cover that news as people are worried about the fate of Gen Con as we try and get out of lockdowns. And clearly an attempt to sue them wouldn't help the convention recover. I use the phrase appears to in the headline but I wish I could be more confident. Now, both avoiding the Roll20 mistake and double-checking the details of legal stories would be made much easier with a second pair of eyes. And that's very much the topic of a chat I had with Tom Hart and Nathan Adler. Tom Hart has just published Paranormal Affairs Canada and the author, Nathan Adler, was a sensitivity reader. Together, we explored two questions. What is a sensitivity reader, and do they make RPGs better? Adler certainly seems to have made Paranormal Affairs Canada better, 
Hopefully, too, if you were not familiar with the concept of sensitivity reading before the article, you will be afterwards. In summary, it's sometimes the case that you're writing about actual cultures in RPGs or other media. If you make a mistake, you might legit legitimately annoy many people. You might even upset them, which certainly does not help the game. Paranormal Affairs Canada includes Indigenous Canadian people and their culture. Tom Hart isn't trying to make an RPG that offends no one at all. Some of the monsters in the book might be considered entirely taboo by some people, but they're there anyway. The goal is to find a balance. Now, sorry for all the drama and hot topics. Let's move swiftly on to rewards and goodies. It's May the 1st, and that means a new RPG publisher spotlight. Tacitus Publishing won the spotlight for May, and it came down to a dice-off, and you can see the video of that on Geeknator's Instagram. If you are a patron, then you have one of the following five candidates to vote for on the June spot. And they are Gregorius21778, Samurai Sheepdog, Underground Oracle Publishing, Cloven Pine Games, and Icarus Games. Also, if you are a patron, you'll soon get a thank you gift in the post. I have a limited number of not-for-retail Beowulf RPG pin badges to give away. If you become a patron tomorrow, it's May the 2nd, you will also get one. But I don't mean to create the time pressure, I just couldn't keep the window open very long, given that there's not an endless supply of these badges. Also, the badges are part of a wider Beowulf merch from Handiwork Games. Uh, the main focus of that merch launch are these fat D20s, which look great, but there's also a limited number of them. So let's stick with logistics for a bit and talk about Games Workshop. There are two interesting bits of news from that Titan of War Games. First up, the company is putting pre-orders on hold for the next few weeks, although some digital titles are excluded. I don't think Games Workshop has given a precise reason for the pause. They don't need to. We've seen how the lockdown has warped supply chains and retailers into all sorts of messy shapes. Games Workshop is using this pause to straighten everything out. Secondly, and despite that pause, Warhammer Fest 2021 online is happening and kicks off on May the 3rd. There's a mystery announcement on Saturday. Monday will be Age of Sigmar, Tuesday and Friday are both Warhammer 40k, Wednesday is Black Library and Thursday Box Games. And when we're speaking of Games Workshop, there's also Cubicle 7 news to consider this week. That's the now Irish publisher who has the RPG licenses for Warhammer 40k, Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Looking at what DriveThruRPG says is selling for Cubicle 7, it's clear that these Games Rock titles are significant. However, it's not the only license that they have. Last week, Cubicle 7 did announce that they'd kept the Lone Wolf license. This week, they've kept the Doctor Who RPG license as well. New books are coming. They've got to be working on their own property, right? A game of their own invention. I wonder if we can persuade anybody at Cubicle 7 to spill the beans. A book I can spill the beans on, having decided to dig into the PDF copy rather than wait for my hardback to arrive, is the 5e-powered Hellboy RPG. There's a fuller review on the site, but in summary, I like it, but I wish it was more. More illustrations, more Hellboy, and perhaps even 
many more pages would have pleased me greatly. It boggles my mind that Red Scar and Mantic didn't or couldn't go deeper on the art. The most important takeaway from the game are all good though. It works, it feels like Hellboy, and despite being 5e powered, it doesn't feel like D&D. The fact that you're rolling extra dice all the time, a d10, is the main reason why. There's a chance for Doom to sneak in. Whenever you make an ability check, an attack roll, or a saving throw, or any other time a d20 is used to determine an outcome, a d10 is also rolled. Hellboy isn't the only surprising pop culture entity attached to D&D I wrote about this week. Jeff Goldblum is another. That's right, the star of The Fly, Jurassic Park and many other classics is taking part in an actual play D&D podcast. He'll be playing in Dark Dice. That's a horror game. That's Ravenloft. I think it's a clever move by the actor. I'm, I'm sure the podcast team are delighted. I, I try and argue that RPGs are moving from mainstream to desirability by celebs and celebrity makers, but I don't think I really need to, or I think it's obvious now, but let's say I need to convince you. There's this. The team behind Netflix's Shadow and Bone of The Punisher, The Expanse and The Witcher are making a world of darkness TV and movie content series. Paradox must be delighted. I now see why the publisher risked rocking the boat so much and took the world of darkness back in-house. There is one catch. Hivemind does not yet have a distribution partner yet, not one they've announced. We don't know if it's Netflix or Amazon Prime or the never-seen-outside-the-United-States Hulu who might pick up the show. But this is more than a World of Darkness optioned as a story. The team have said they're doing it. And speaking of Netflix, they introduced us all to a sheep-human life form called Enko. I thought at first... She was a mascot, as both Crunchyroll and Funimation have one. And that would have been an interesting move, as Netflix has no prominent place to show her off. Jaime, for example, uh, appears as Crunchyroll loads, uh, depending on how you view the platform. However, it's even more interesting than that. Enko is a virtual YouTuber. The human behind her is a bilingual Netflix staffer. I suspect, therefore... We will see a human sheep introduce shows and talk about highlights on YouTube as an accompaniment to Netflix's anime. Why? Well, that's all about community and therefore loyalty. I'm sure it's a coincidence of timing, but Netflix also introduced Gus, a human deer life form, in the trailer for Sweet Tooth. That looks great. Adapted from the comic book series, Sweet Tooth is set in a world ruined by a virus. Two things have happened, and they may or may not be related. Human-animal hybrids, like us, started to be born, and a pandemic took civilization out. The show follows Gus as he explores. Lastly, some bundles and deals to be aware of. Rodney Thompson's Dusk City Outlaws is in the bundle of holding. Thompson now writes for the computer game Destiny these days, but he was also the lead designer of one of the Star Wars RPGs and worked on D&D 5e. Events are happening for Jasper's game day this weekend and the days after. On the DMs Guild, there's a great big bundle of D&D content up for grabs, over $150 worth of goodies for less than 10 bucks. You can find links to everything mentioned in the transcript, which you should find in a link in the show notes. And on that note, let's wrap there, so please keep safe, and we'll see you next week.